Welcome to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast, your source for everything you need to go from unfocused wantrepreneur to action-taking, money-making entrepreneur. Now, your host, Brian Lofermento. Hey there, and happy Friday. If you're listening to this on the day of the podcast release, it is Featured Friday, which as you know, means that I feature some amazing guests or some weeks I just feature an amazing topic that has to do with entrepreneurship. And you are in luck because this week, this Featured Friday episode, I've got two amazing guests for you, Brittany Becker and Maggie Patterson, the two ladies behind Scoop Industries. Now, Scoop Industries is an amazing company that works with service-based business owners to help them grow their businesses. They do multiple six figures in revenue, and they are two amazing entrepreneurs who combined forces to found Scoop Industries. Just a little bit about them. So Brittany, she's the CEO of Scoop Industries. She's a sales and marketing automation strategist. Her sweet spot is really working with service-based business owners to help them make sense of technology, marketing, and overall growth strategies, particularly helping them to double their businesses and beyond. She's an Infusionsoft certified partner, so if you've heard about Infusionsoft, Brittany's one of the people on the planet that actually understands Infusionsoft. She's a ConvertKit certified expert, and she's worked with seven-figure online companies to the biggest brands in the world. Now, Maggie, on the other hand, and don't worry, you'll be able to tell the difference between both of them. They sound different. Maggie's got a Canadian accent. She's based in Canada. Brittany's based here in the United States. Now, Maggie is a communication strategist and the chief marketing officer of Scoop Industries. She's got over 15 years of experience, 11 of which were self-employed as a consultant, and she spent her entire career working in client-facing roles in marketing and as a copywriter. Now she works with those service-based business owners that Scoop Industries helps, and she helps them implement smart strategies for business growth. She's the co-host of the Inside Scoop podcast. She's a master-level content marketer as awarded by Copyblogger, and her work has been widely published by leading websites, including virgin.com, fastcompany.com, and so many more. So these two ladies, they know what they're doing and they really brought the value for you in today's episode. So I really, it's fun for me because in cases like this on Featured Friday episodes, I'm just like you. I'm an interested listener of the show. I'm I, The only advantage for me is that I get to actually ask the questions so I can just follow my curiosity there. So it's very much fun for me. But some of the things that we talked about is how the heck you can work with somebody and how you can have a business partner who's located in a different country. We talk about that. We talk about some of the technology that powers teams that work remotely. But most importantly for you, if you're an entrepreneur and you're saying to yourself, how do I get my first few clients? How do I actually grow my business? How do I make my first $10,000? Maggie and Brittany tell you exactly how they did that and how you can do that. And they do it in a way where they basically raise their hands and they acknowledge, hey, you don't need a business. You don't have, or sorry, you do need a business. You don't need a business website. You don't need to waste your time building a website. You don't need to waste your time 
creating business cards. You don't need to waste your time on these non-value added, non-revenue generating activities. So they talk about how you can get referrals, how you can get introductions, and how you can actually get customers and clients for your business. So they brought the heat. I'm super excited. You can always hear it in my voice. I'm so excited about this interview that I did with Maggie and Brittany. So without further ado, let's dive into my interview with Maggie and Brittany from Scoop Industries. All right, Maggie and Brittany, it's so great to have both of you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we're excited. Well, I will say, I don't know if you guys have coordinated before we we jumped on the call today, but I respect the fact that you guys are both up to the challenge of not talking over each other and somehow figuring it out from thousands of miles away from each other, who's going to talk and when you're going to talk. So I love it. I can't guarantee there will not be any cutoffs or prompts between us. (laughs) Yeah. We have a little practice. <laughs> All right. Love it. So I will, I'm just going to throw questions out there and whoever wants to answer them and, and then I will pick on both of you individually, but I'll throw this first one out there in general. Tell us more about Scoop Industries and what exactly you guys do. Well, Brittany, you're the CEO, so you can have that one. All right. So we are a um, firm. We do two things. We do marketing consulting for primarily service-based businesses. Um, uh, agency-wise, we handle content and tech. And then we also work with a lot of um, people that are building their own businesses from a consulting standpoint. So we work with service-based business owners to help them grow their service-based businesses and really focusing on people that are offering a service versus necessarily trying to create you know, a, a brand new program or something like that in the online world. Awesome. I love it. So Brittany, let me pick on you for just a second more then. What is it about service-based businesses that really draws you both to that? Yeah, so both of our backgrounds are in different fields, but very similar. I've always been in services of some some way, shape, or form, whether we were consulting for um, large agencies or large consulting firms or working individually with our own clients. It's also something that uh, when Maggie and I both started in our own separate businesses, the number one goal for us was to have a viable income for our families, for our lives. And it was, I learned really quickly that it was way easier to get someone to give me $1,000 for me to do a service for them than it was for me to try to sell, you know, uh, you know, $110 courses. Yeah, totally. Like 10, $100 courses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that answer, Brittany, because it's something that I always go through with my students. When they say they want to make $100,000 this year, I ask them, well, what's your price point? And if their answer is $50, that takes a lot of sales at $50 to make $100K. So I'm with you there. Services, you can charge more, and then it becomes much easier to make significant money. So I, I like that answer, Brittany. Thank you. Let me throw this out there then, and I'll pick on Maggie for this one. Brittany, I'll let you off the hook for a little bit. So Maggie, what is it about services that allows people to charge more? And when it comes to figuring out how much you want to charge for your services, I mean, the three of us, we all know the same thing about newpreneurs, especially when they're new in their journey. They don't necessarily know what they're doing. They often undercharge for their services. So how much should people charge? How do they know how much they can charge? And where do you say the sweet spot is for service-based businesses? 
Oh, I'm so glad you asked this because I see really one of two things happening, right? Exactly what you said. People come in, they charge way too little, and they literally cannot work themselves out of that scenario. Or the other things that will happen with a service-based business is people come in with a brand new business and they have this bias because they have so much experience and so much knowledge from their past. And maybe they were making $80,000 a year in their old jobs. So they're like, well, my hourly rate should be $200. And it's like, you haven't proven yourself in a new industry. So there's got to be this nice middle ground. So what I always recommend is if you are starting out, um, have a plan for if I'm going to charge lower as you know, kind of that foot in my door price, have a plan that after three clients, I'm going to raise my price. After six clients, I'm going to raise my price again. And when I was transitioning a few years ago from really freelance communications consulting for corporations to working with more smaller businesses, I was an unknown entity. So I did my first about pages, which I could have done in my sleep for like $97. And I remember my coach was like, that's craziness. But I had a plan. Now I charge $500 for that same thing, you know, less than three years later, because I was like, okay, this is booking out easily. What's my next price point? What's my next price point? Um, and, you know, also to look at the market, look at kind of what the average is and extrapolate from there. And then finally get someone. This is honestly has saved my bacon because I think we, most of us tend to be in the undercharging thing. Get someone else who's going to say, no, that's too low. I had a friend for a long time that was another writer. I used to send her my quotes and say, what do you think of this? And she's like, raise it by 50%. And I was still getting easy yeses at that point. So I probably should have raised it more. Yeah, Maggie, I, I love one anecdote that you used in there is you said that or one piece of advice that you gave in there is you said, look at the marketplace. And so many new entrepreneurs don't realize that their so-called competitors, they're your best resource when you're just starting out. And I always tell new entrepreneurs, I say, go get a quote, go get a proposal from someone who you think is your competitor, see how they price it out. See what their sales process looks like. See what the entire nurturing relationships look like and how they get you to try to buy from them. Go through that process as a potential customer and you'll get a lot of answers about how your industry works and how you can work and how you can price your products and services. Yeah, completely. I think it's really... I think a lot of us, especially if we're drawn to being our own boss, we tend to be not like a, I want to crush my competition. We're like, oh, community over competition. And the reality is, is you have to understand the market conditions in which you operate in. It's no different than any other free market economy. Yeah, exactly. And you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I say it on the podcast all the time that there is no such thing as competition. Your competition are really going to end up as your your best friends when it comes to business. And actually, on that note, I want to transition this a little bit because I know that you both had different businesses before you combined forces and started your current business. What is it that made you guys decide, hey, let's combine forces, let's found Scoop Industries together. Why did you decide to use that approach rather than just operating in your silos and working independently? Well, that's a pithy question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start and then Maggie, just jump in if I miss any uh, major points or if you want to add anything in there. Um, but basically, Maggie and I met a few years ago, actually on the internet, and we were in a group program together, and we met through that Facebook group. Uh, we, you know, over time kind of commented on each other's posts and, and we reconnected uh, or we connected and then kept kind of having similar conversations. We connected over some life stuff as well, and it kind of just got us to 
um, really relate to one another. And the more that we kind of talk to each other, we realize that we have very similar viewpoints into not just life, but business and marketing and how those things work. And so, you know, we became great friends and business friends, you know, throughout that time. Um, And then, you know, fast forward a, a couple more years, we ended up working together a lot on different projects. So I was handling more of, you know, marketing consulting and tech type stuff and and Maggie was doing you know marketing consulting and content so you know tech and copy go hand in hand a lot especially for online businesses or businesses that have an online presence and we were working a lot together on projects and you know we would be calling each other talking through hey would you put this here or how would we make this happen and it really you know we got to kind of thinking what our own visions were Uh, And we realized that our vision was super similar and that it would make a lot of sense to join forces and offer, you know, our clients actual, you know, um, real time saving type things because they wouldn't have to be coordinating between a copywriter and, you know, a developer or, you know, a tech person. Mm -hmm. Um, They would just have to deal with, you know, one sort of smaller agency. So that's kind of how it happened. And then essentially 10, 11 months later... Uh, Scoop Industries is born. Awesome. I love it. So, Maggie, before you add anything, I'm actually going to throw a more difficult question out there. Well, it's actually, I think it's going to be relatively easy because I think you both know the answer and I think most entrepreneurs know the answer to this. But so many people, before they jump in the world of entrepreneurship, they're so concerned about having the whole pie for themselves. And they say, oh, why would I bring in a business partner when it's going to be half as much money for me? Or why would I give 10% away of my business to an advisor when I could just keep the whole thing for myself? Maggie, what's your answer to that? What's your answer to those fears that people who aren't even entrepreneurs that they often have? You know, honestly, that's 100% lack mentality. I totally have seen this time and time again in my various businesses over the years that there's more than enough to go around. And, you know, we're better together. That's really like two heads are always better than one. Because as much as you might be giving up something, you're also getting something. So in my case, you know, selfishly, Brittany handles a lot of our operations and financials. So I'm able to do what I'm really good at. I'm I don't want to do math. I don't want to worry about cash flow. Yes, (laughs) we have those conversations. But that's what really is her zone of genius. And my zone of genius is doing other parts of the business. So, um, and you know, this is not my first business partnership. I had one in the past. And I think understanding that you're going to go further faster, the money question becomes irrelevant then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And let me ask this one because so this this is the best job in the world that I have. I love being a podcaster because I basically just get to sit back, be a listener at the same time, someone who's listening to the show and listening to this awesome advice and these anecdotes from you both. And so I just get to follow my curiosity and ask whatever questions I want. And one thing that's interesting to me about Scoop Industries, about your business, is that, Brittany, you're based in the U.S., Maggie, you're based in Canada, yet you guys are business partners and you run a really successful business. How the heck does that work? I mean, what's it like working across borders where you guys don't see each other physically in person all the time? Tell me more about working together from across different countries. Oh, goodness. (laughs) You know, I think the first thing we realized, right, it really doesn't, I'll be honest, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. Um, we made a really big point at the beginning of this year to see each other at least once a quarter. And I would say in person. Um, and I would say that that has been, we have met each other 
many more times than that. And, you know, we, we talk a lot on the phone. We do a lot of, you know, Skyping and we use Zoom a lot so we can see each other. And, and you know, we, we do a lot of communication. I think that's, that's number one, a huge part is we communicate all the time. And then, you know, you might say, okay, well, if you're already talking every day, are you talking every other day? Do you really need to see each other in person? And the answer is yes. And this is, I mean, I think anyone who's ever been in an online kind of environment and then you've gone somewhere and met those same people, there's just something really powerful that happens when you are, you know, in the same proximity as one another. And it's way easier to do things that are really important to the business, like strategy planning and figuring out, you know, what what the game plan is going to be for the next quarter or the next year when you're in the same location and you can, you know, we love to write things on walls and mm-hmm. post-it notes and get really visual and tactile with that. And it, it really helps us. In fact, we're going to see each other um, in, in a few days, actually. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, I think the other thing I've learned from the making a real point of seeing each other is um, I think we're both really, really good communicators, but I do think sometimes we, uh, it's easy for anyone to just kind of go, oh, that's not important. I'm not really going to voice it. And I think a lot of times when we're together, that's when the really important stuff comes out because we are face to face and it's, it's much more comfortable to have that conversation away from our regular work day. Um, I know there's been a couple times where things that I think if we hadn't been in person, they probably would have festered a little bit, which happens in any relationship, uh, you know, whether it be a friendship, a business partnership, a marriage, whatever. And I think that that proximity to each other and being able to read each other's body language and go, actually, you know what? I don't think that's the full story. What else is going on here? I think that that's been really, really beneficial. So it takes some effort. Um, Plus it's really good. I think for us to get, away from the running of the business and actually just, you know, connect as friends and colleagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And Brittany, let me pose this next question to you because I know that you're the the tech guru amongst the two of you. What sort of technologies do you both use so that you can stay in contact? So you mentioned Skype and Zoom. Are you guys big on Slack or what other technologies do you use so you feel like, you know, you guys are one cohesive unit? Oh, yes. So Slack is... Definitely, I would say probably the most, like per time in, (laughs) Slack is probably the most used tool. We also have two other people on our team, full-time people on our team. So the four of us are able to easily kind of communicate something that previously would have had to be done in email or something. And, uh, you know, everyone's inbox is, uh, you know, big enough disaster as it is. So yeah, Slack (laughs) is a huge one. Uh, we use Skype a lot for calls. We also use Zoom a lot for our clients and for our team calls because you have the ability to, you know, see each other and, you know, the chat interface works really well. Uh, we run our webinars from that. So um, that works really, really well. I would say those are the, th- and I don't think I'm missing any, but those are the three, I think, that we use. Basecamp. How could you forget oh, Basecamp? Oh, but that's not a communicate. I mean, I guess it is a communication It is a communication tool. tool. It's where okay. the tasks happen. It is okay. It is definitely so okay. Yeah. So then the next, the second tool, the Slack that we use probably for like matter of time is Basecamp, which is our project management system. We use that for internal projects, but we also use that for our client projects as well. And inside the client projects, we actually have our clients in there too, so that we we really try to keep everything out of the inbox as much as we can. That's possible. Um, but yeah, sorry. I was thinking more communication, like, <laughs> "Hey, how's this going? How's that going?" work, not like actual work. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun for me to sit back and let the banter happen between you two, as I'm sure it happens inevitably over the course of work days. <laughs> yeah, it's a little terrifying at times. That Slack noise, like the notification noise, my family calls that Brittany. They're like, "Oh, it's Brittany." <laughs> yeah. Oh, my husband. Like, does no, it's actually like... not Brittany today. <laughs> 
So, Brittany, for listeners who aren't familiar with Slack, can you give them an overview of what Slack is? Yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm like a, as much as I love technology, I love keeping things really simple. So I'm probably missing some of the cool things you can do with it. But basically, it's, um, I think it's like a way better version of like Gmail, but it's for teams. So you have to be a part of a team workspace to, to be in that particular group. And you can do direct messages, which is what I think is the most common, like, you know, messaging type of thing. So back and forth with one person. And then you can also have different threads that are sorted by hashtags that you can basically talk to anyone on the team or certain people on a team about something. And I really like those whenever we're trying to coordinate something between all of us or we're trying to, you know, we thought, hey, we have a client that's working on this. Like, where are you guys at with this? Like a quick check-in. It works really well to use it that way there. And, um, yeah, you can upload attachments. You can um, use all fun kinds of emojis. You can type, obviously. Um, You can share. They're adding more things now. You can share files from, like, Dropbox and your Google Drive. But it's basically just a nice way to keep your team organized and out of um, out of your inbox. And one thing I will say, because I've been on I've been on teams before that have used Slack in a way that I would not recommend using it. It's not a tasking system. Like you don't say, "Hey, go do this," and then that's the one thing that you do. Um, <laughs> you still have to use Basecamp or whatever it is that you choose to use for your project management for those tasks. Like I think it's very much about quick communication. Um, and then, you know, from there, if you have tasks that you need to go put into your system, do that in another place. Yeah. Awesome. I love that advice. And I want to say just for the listeners sake, so Brittany talked a lot about Slack and Brittany, I'm correct in saying Slack is free, right? Yes. They do have paid versions. Um, like if you want to archive all your history, but yeah, it's free. Yeah. So Slack is an amazing free communication tool that you can use. And also both of you have mentioned Basecamp at this point. And Basecamp is an awesome, amazing software tool that enterprise level solutions use, small businesses use. And if you're a new entrepreneur out there and you're not quite ready to make the jump to Basecamp or something that looks as complicated as that, there's also free project management tools and to-do list tools out there like Asana, which is A-S-A-N-A.com. So there are awesome free tools out there. And you can see that Brittany and Maggie run their business from different countries and they can stay in touch with, I like the way that you said it, Brittany, these are simple tools. I mean, five years ago, you would have needed 20 different websites and 20 different tools to keep track of all these things. But now tools are so clean and simple that you can use just a few and you can feel connected no matter where in the world you are. Absolutely. One thing I want to throw out there, and I'll direct this one to Maggie, because Maggie and I first connected over email, and one thing stood out big time that Maggie said to me. She said that you both grew your businesses through referrals and introductions, and you didn't even have a website when you started growing your business. Maggie, talk to me about how the heck you grow a business without even having a website. Okay, so here's the box story. I didn't have a website, and please note, I work in marketing. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't have a website for the first eight years of my business. I'm wow. now at year 11 and a half. <laughs> wow. So it's a little terrifying, but, um, and given that a lot of the work I do is web-based, it's, it's very comical. But in my case, I mean, I had left a job as an account director in a PR agency. So within our local tech community, I was really well connected. I had a lot of past clients. And I think a lot of times when we start a business, we kind of 
we want this clean break, but we always have people, whether it be uh, personally or professionally within our own network that we can really leverage. So instead of like trying to like recreate the wheel, I think when you look at referrals and introductions, you can be like, hey, guess what? I've started this new business. And for me, those first clients came from people like my college public relations program coordinator because I'd been in touch with him and let him know I was starting a business. He was like, oh, this would be a perfect fit for you um, from past colleagues. I can think of a past colleague who referred me one client who then turned into a referral machine and referred me to like seven different people. And I think that was in the end, like over $100,000 of revenue over a couple of years. So, you know, really looking at who you know. Um, I think a lot of times we give networking a bad rap, especially when it comes to referrals, but people want to refer for you. And if people don't know you're there, they can't do it. So, you know, letting people know you're in business, letting, you know, you would love an introduction if they know someone who's looking for this or what types of clients you're looking at, really just opening that door and being really mindful of that. I think that's really the key because it's always going to be faster to get a client through a referral for someone to basically walk you in and say, hey, Maggie would be or so-and-so would be a really great fit for this versus trying to find someone on the internet, nurture them, and then hopefully one day they will do business with you. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. There's two people that I want you both to address right now because I'm sure that these two people or people representing these two people are listening to the podcast right now. So person number one is the person who hears Maggie's advice and starts plastering their personal Facebook, basically spamming their friends saying, hey, give me business. Hey, give me business. Bye oh, for me. Yeah, so I want one of you will get to talk to that person directly. The second person that I want one of you to address is the person who's sitting there and they're saying, oh, I always do amazing work, but nobody thinks to give me referrals. What can I do to position myself to get referrals? So who wants to talk to person number one and who wants number two? I'll take number two. Oh, I was going to say I want number two, but <laughs> I'll take, um, I can take number one, but um, I'm, I'm going to need you to reframe it just a little bit for me again. Okay, I was so, so I was hoping I was going to get number two. I was really <laughs> thinking about what I was going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no worries. So person number one is the person who hears Maggie's advice and says, yes, I have people in my network and I'm just going to ah, keep yeah. spamming Facebook. my Facebook until people send me business or buy from me. Yeah, no. So I actually, so I don't think Facebook um, is really the place for this uh, with the exception of potentially Facebook groups if they are appropriate and if you are giving a ton of service and being of service. In fact, you know, I think Facebook groups can be really powerful for finding clients and being referred, but you need to, you know, be in there and be offering, you know, service and tips back, not just asking or promoting constantly because you'll probably get kicked out of the Facebook group. Um, so that's there. The other thing is, you know, I, I just... First of all, personal, anybody that's going to do business with you, like a personal Facebook message is really, I mean, I guess it depends on your audience a little bit, but especially if you're trying to work with a professional or another business or something like that, like that is just, it like it's anxiety inducing to see people trying to conduct business on Facebook messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I would use other methods. So email is probably the most professional. Uh, the exception would be in terms of social networking. Um, I think LinkedIn, if you're going the professional route, can be a really great way to connect with people that are in your network um, because that's kind of what the tool is meant for. 
And then, um, you know, if you have uh, contacts, you know, actual phone calls or conversations that you have with people, I also think to like, to some element of that, it's it's about not hiding behind, you know, just the computer all the time. So when you're out with, you know, friends or friends of friends and people ask, oh, well, how's work going? You're like, oh, it's good. I'm working on this. Like actually talking a little bit about it, not necessarily launching into your, hey, buy my stuff pitch, mm -hmm. but letting people know what's going on is really important as well. But I think email is the best way to do this kind of thing, unless you have a really niche kind of um, business where people for some reason are not on email. Yeah, great advice, Brittany. I love that. So Maggie, person number two, remember, is the person who's saying, Oh, I'm doing great work, but I'm just not positioning myself to get referrals. What do you say to them? Okay, so number one, um, people can't refer you if they don't know about you. So uh, a lot of us are guilty of this. I think we're really good at starting our businesses and um, staying in touch with a really small group of people. And the reality is, is that uh, people forget about us. We're not top of mind. We are hiding out behind our laptop. Totally guilty of this. And if you don't take the time and energy to nurture your network and kind of put your hand up every so often and be like, hey, still here, still looking for clients, and um, people aren't going to necessarily remember you. So how do you go about this? Number one, um, when you finish up with a client, if you know, as long as everything's gone smoothly and it's been a great experience ask that client if there's anyone they could introduce you to that might be a fit for your services. Um, let them know you're always on the lookout for amazing clients like they are. That is the number one way to this day that even with a website and email list and all these other things that we get clients at Scoop, it's our happy clients telling happy clients. Um, also, just like on your professional networks, letting people know like, hey, I've got this new package. If you know of anyone, um, just constantly letting people know that you are open to new clients is so important. It's very easy, I think, especially with the internet, people will assume um, because you look busy or because you said, oh, I'm full up with client work this month, that you're not accepting clients. And honestly, that is the kiss of death. Never say your business is full. I know people want to do that for their ego. Even if you're full, you're not full. Yeah. <laughs> you would say yes to an, the next most amazing client and you could find a creative way to make it work. So um, I think always letting people know you're open for a business and that you're still there is really, really key. And to not just, you know, rely on the quality of your experience and your good work to do the marketing for you. Yeah. I yeah. would, Go ahead, I would say, oh, I was going to say one thing that, because I was so guilty of this, right? I mean, while I would get a lot of word of mouth and referrals from clients. It took me a while before I was able to ask for them in a, in like an artful way where it wasn't just sort of an afterthought. Um, I think if you work in an industry where there are kind of like what Maggie and I used to do in our own separate businesses, like someone that you work with um, or have a sort of complimentary service or offering to, just letting them know, hey, I really enjoyed working on that project with you. Um, if you have, if you ever, you know, hear people that need help with X, you know, that's what I do. I'm, you know, I'm accepting clients or something like that, because that I think is another way that um, you can get like referrals from other people that are doing similar work that might hear their clients say something and everyone loves to connect and refer. Yeah, great advice all around. I love the advice that you both offered there. So we are coming to an end of this interview. I'm going to throw one loaded question out there and I'll let you guys choose who's going to answer it first and who will answer it second. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for entrepreneurs who are just starting their service-based business? What should they do in order to hit their first $10,000? Brittany, you want to go first? 
Sure. Mine's going to be really simple. Um, stay focused. Um, if your goal is, if your number one goal is to hit that 10K, don't do anything else unless it's directly related to getting that 10K. There are no shortage of people and gurus and, you know, mentors and coaches and, you know, all kinds of things out there telling you that, you know, you should do this next new thing. You should do this next new thing. Um, a lot of the a lot of the advice out there is not for service-based business owners. Um, so stay focused and go after there and get those clients. Um, that is the number one thing I would say. Just ignore the shiny objects and stay focused. Great advice, Brittany. Maggie, you're up. And then to build on that, I mean, it's a variation of focus is one of the things when people are starting their business, I think it's very easy to get stuck in busy work. We get so obsessed with all kind of the marketing shiny objects. And really, you need to strip it back to what are the absolute basic fundamentals I need. So getting obsessed with building your email list or um, having the perfect, the perfect thing doesn't matter moving ahead and taking action to actually find those clients and doing the minimal viable marketing on, on behind the scenes is all you need. Um, waiting and wishing and hoping and making everything perfect is not going to make it happen. Great advice all around. I've got a big smile on my face because I couldn't agree with you both anymore. That is phenomenal. So thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. It has been fun. You guys are the first duo that I've had on the podcast. So it's been a ton of fun. Where can listeners learn more about you guys and your business? So you can kind of go ahead. I knew knew it was going to happen eventually. I'm glad I finally got it out. Oh, you can find us over at scoopindustries.com. That's pretty much where all the magic happens. And uh, our preferred social network is Facebook because we're us where our people are. And we do host the Inside Scoop show for service-based business owners. And that's over on iTunes. All right. Awesome. Brittany, anything to add from you? Nope. That's it. She's got it. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much. It's been so much fun having you on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. And thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at thewantrepreneurshow.com.